As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to this listener feedback edition of Critical Hit, your Spoilers Dungeons and Dragons podcast. So glad you could join in this week. A lot of questions that we have, a lot of emails that we get. We're glad that so many of you send us emails to, uh, what's that email address, Rodrigo? Podcast at Majorspoilers.com. That's right, podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Or you can call the Major Spoilers hotline if you would like to leave a uh, uh, voice message. Matthew, what is that number? Uh, 785-727-1939. And uh, because we're just sitting here, uh, and I've introduced myself, and Rodrigo's there, and Matthew's there, Rob, well, what? Uh, where can people find more information about Critical Hit? Majorspoilers.com. And Alex is also sitting in. Alex, welcome back. Hello. We're going to throw out the first question to you. Oh. Dear guys, I've been listening to your show for a while now, and I love every aspect of it. I especially enjoy the prolonged periods of pure ro- role-play that Rodrigo is able to inject into the game. I'm trying to do the same with my game uh, that I DM, but I'm having some troubles. Any suggestions, anything you can do to help, I will be extremely thankful. You do some dungeon mastering, Alex. How do you get some people into prolonged periods of pure roleplay? It can be difficult to... uh, When you're in the hot seat as a GM, you kind of feel like everyone is looking at you like, you have to keep the conversation moving and stuff like that. Um, I try to cause situations where players have to make decisions. Um, and when they start asking around for more information, I don't say anything unless they specifically address me. I see. And that makes it so that they start interacting with each other because I'm not a source of information, so they have mm-hmm. to work back and forth. Okay. Any um, um, suggestions on how to encourage people to open up? I mean, one of the things, and this isn't a criticism uh, towards Rob, but uh, in the first season, uh, many people know Smith, and he was a very quiet character. And then, of course, the sad yeah. things that had happened, and listeners, if you haven't heard about that sad, tragic tale of Smith, I see just starting at episode one and working your way up. Uh, but then we have Ket, and Ket is a totally different character than what Smith was, and a lot of people are like, wow. Rob has really opened up and become an interesting character to play. Rob, how do you... Are there some things that you've done or you could suggest to people? Well, part of it was with Smith. He was supposed to be kind of a... I mean, he was supposed to be the tragic. He was trying to hide, you know, three-fourths of what was going on with him all the time. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, I came in here knowing Rodrigo and Brian and never having met either you or Matthew. Right. So I was... You know, I didn't want to step on any toes or 
get into anybody's path right away. Now with Ket, you know, Ket's supposed to be an upfront, in-your-face kind of guy. He's he is very much a face, and he is specifically designed to step on people's toes. Hello, Torque. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> now well, sh- Torque does have gigantic toes, so yeah. so they're, right. they're easy to hit. Yeah. I should also point out that uh, we do have Alex and Rodrigo on the show at the same time. <laughs> a lot of people are always confusing that Alex and, and uh, Rodrigo are the same person because they sound exactly alike. Rodrigo, yeah. give us a give us a few lines of your favorite poem or dirty limerick. Um, I'm actually it's I'm I'm actually not allowed to say my favorite limerick because of just exactly how bad it is. <laughs> like the FCC has keyword this wor- these words so they will find it anywhere. <laughs> but it was it goes blankety blankety blank blankety blankety blank blankety blank blankety blank blankety river of shit. <laughs> <laughs> And Alex, just to follow up, uh, how about uh, something similar? Um, you have a favorite poem? You'll never see a poem as beautiful as a tree. <laughs> that was Rodrigo's. Uh, that was me. <laughs> how did it go? It was something about um, I am a cat man, tree, and oh, I should I should now be writing a. I should now be writing a. Uh, Spider or griff or something like that. Yeah, impromptu D and D poetry. Right. Yep. If you if you're friends with me on Facebook, you can find some of Alex's poetry that I have recorded during our sessions, in which he plays a a uh, a warden that sometimes is a tree and sometimes is a cat, and nowadays can be a tree even when he becomes a cat. Yep. And he dry, he rides around on a mutated hippogriff, which would make it is a it? third spider, a third horse, and a third bird. Yep. It went from hawk. To hippogriff, to spider, to dwarf thing. Yeah. What looks like hawk spider hippogriff. Basically, it started off as a hippogriff. And then as we leveled up, I got a new mount. But I decided to say it was just the same creature. Mm -hmm. And because it was when I went Paragon Path, I decided that the reason it mutated was because I was Paragon Pathing. And so I was mutating as well. And Mm -hmm. so it just kind of tied it in with the character. That wasn't the same character that you played in our adventure. Okay. If I may interject for a moment. Yes, please, Matthew. I would like to state two things for the record, and one of them may be shocking to fans of Major Spoilers and Critical Hit. What? I have never physically met Rodrigo. (laughs) Rodrigo and I have never been in the same room together. We've never had a face-to-face conversation. And when I picture him, I actually picture a bearded Bob Denver talking to basically <laughs> scratching, at the, scratching at the inside of his coffin going let me out, let me out. <laughs> Bob Denver's not dead but oh I thought he did die the similarities in speech between Rodrigo and Alex are not the way they sound it's a dialectic in the way they speak now Alex uh, where are you from I'm actually from Arizona is where I grew up um, okay I was born in Kansas City but yeah I, I spent most of my life in Arizona Casey Mo- now, Do you and Rodrigo spend an inordinate amount of time together? We have before, yes. At times. I'm wondering if because you guys hang out together and are interacting with each other and the same friends or similar friends, I'm wondering if just your speech patterns and the things you say and the way you say them have become similar. Because if you listen to the tone, you both have kind of a nasal tone, but Rodrigo's is like, three octaves lower <laughs> and listening to you back to back i don't hear it at all but i know when i listen to the shows i went yeah i can definitely hear what people are saying so i yeah. think it's more the speech pattern and the, and the dialect that you're using i wondered if maybe you know rodrigo 
speaking English as a second language, maybe picked up a dialect that was weird, so I don't know nothing. Oh, I, I've picked up several. Yeah, <laughs> yeah another, you are weird. We Here's have... another quick uh, question, and then we'll uh, take a quick break here. Hi, I just wanted to say that I think that Critical Hit, you guys are great. It got me into playing D&D when I was 15, for which I'm extremely thankful. I do have a question, though, firstly, for anyone who can answer. In one of my current games, the Dungeon Master made other players describe my character, even though they had no idea what I was like. So I got stuck with a horrible-looking character and a Miss Piggy voice. Our Dungeon Master is really stubborn, and I'm going to bet that for really stubborn he means something else. And he's made it so that if I stop doing the voice in roleplay, we get attacked by assassins. It's been two sessions, and already I hate my character. How can I persuade him to let us describe our own characters and allow me to speak in a way that doesn't hurt my throat without killing the party? Get out. Get out now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is, like, okay. <clears throat> there... You know, there's there's game masters out there who always want to kind of innovate, and they always want to it, sort of involve their players, but there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Having your players describe their house or what they think the princess opulent palace looks like is one thing. Having the players describe each other's characters is problematic for several reasons. First, mm-hmm. Most importantly, because your character is your avatar in this world, so you should get to decide as much as possible about it. This is something intrinsic. This is something that every player knows pretty much walking in. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know, the I, I think that the Game Master is probably trying to engage the players, but this is not the way to do it. And I will also speak to the fact, we've talked about this before, do not punish your players in-game for out-of-game reasons. And a character description is an out-of-game reason. So, no. Like, you need to talk to, you need to sit your game master down and say, hey, I want to keep playing your game, but this is hurting my throat. I want to have control over my own character. That's the point of role-playing games. Otherwise, I'd be playing, you know, the original the Zelda. Of Warcraft. Well, something like that. <laughs> I mean, you can't decide exactly what color hat you have in World of Warcraft. I mean, I'm sure eventually you will. Right, They're right. innovating every day. Right, right. But every day. Every day. The guys at Blizzard so are working very hard. Very, very hard to copy everything um, that Dungeons & Dragons does. Right. <laughs> but, you <laughs> know, that is why. That's, why. that's why you're not reading a... Read your, a choose your own adventure book that's why you're not watching tv and that's why you're not playing video games is because a role-playing game gives you that much more power to customize your character as one of the options that you have so uh, sit him down and, and tell him that it bothers you and if he will not budge get out of there because that you do you do not have to keep playing a role-playing game if you are uncomfortable you need to get out of there yeah mm-hmm and the one thing that I'm wondering is, are all the players getting these same kind of strictures? I mean, if everybody has something that they're being, and essentially they're being handicapped by, because it's obviously affecting your enjoyment of the game, and it's probably affecting your ability to suspend your disbelief and inhabit this character. If everybody has something like this, it may be, you know, it may be the dungeon master doing a one-off to try and, you know, force you to do something different or to tease you or to say, well, you know, you've played this fighter guy for long. Now you're going to be an arrogant sack who fires fireballs out of his nose. Right. That's one thing. But if you're the only one who's been given this kind of handicap, it may be that you, your dungeon master is looking at it and saying, well, here's my quote-unquote problem player. I need to teach him a lesson. Or worse, your dungeon master may have it out for you. 
Dun, dun, dun. All right. Thank you for that feedback. Hopefully that helps you out, uh, Nick. And we're going to take this quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to give you a heads up of what's going to be happening with Critical Hit. Um, It is the holidays, and so we're going to be taking a couple of weeks off. And then when we return in January, we've got a couple of episodes lined up that I think are really cool and really fun and uh, should uh, play well into into our campaign that we're doing. So stick around for more listener feedback, and thanks so much for being part of Critical Hit in 2010. Thanks for that little break. We're back. Glad everybody enjoys everything that we do here. Um, We're doing some questions and answers this episode. Greetings, Critical Hit. I would like to send you a simple thank you for having such an entertaining podcast. I've been listening the past month and catching up. Got up to episode 70. I now have to worry. I'm mad that I have to wait until the next pods of casting instead of jumping right to the next one. Oh, that's just a thank you one. Thank you, everybody, for that. Um... Here's a question about Drow. Now we haven't had really Drow characters in the uh, in this game yet, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Um, this is from somebody who thinks Randus is the best. Right. Hello, we've, everyone. we've done this question. Oh, have before. we done this question yeah. before? Okay. Oh, okay. Hello. Yeah. Yes. Randus is the best. He wants to play. Oh, a Drow. His, yeah, his, we were talking his about. His players racism. want to play Drow. Oh, we're yeah, talking we about, about racism. racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I made a lot of slurs that had to be cut out. We've done this one before. <laughs> yeah, okay. Hey, it's well, always great to hear from Randis is the best. It's hard to keep track. Tough yes. Um, uh, there's definitely something wrong with that kid who thinks Randis <laughs> is the best. Although Have we done one about Matthew characters' Ryan, attention? So. Huh? Have we done one about getting your players to pay attention? Uh... I'm Getting sorry, your what? players to pay attention. Dear Rodrigo and crew, I've been listening to Critical Hit for a long time now and loved every minute of it. I'm especially amazed at how focused and serious-ish everyone is about the game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a problem with the game I'm running concerning my players' attention. They get distracted easily and side mm. conversations and jokes spirals and com- are, are common. Any advice? If you can, please send me directly an email with any advice you can come up with or feature this in the show. That is from Colin B. Thanks for everything and keep on critting. You especially, Brian. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. There's a lot of things you can do, and it, it but it kind of depends on your crew. Mm-hmm. Yes. there Some people are going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, let's play. And some people are going to fight you on it, and you just kind of have to get the measure. There are, like, even, you know, I put I post the, the joke spiral thing. Right. Yeah. Is, is from one of my articles. Right. Um, and even on that article, people are like, you're taking this too seriously. And... Mm. Part of I don't well certainly I don't think I am right but <laughs> no, of course part part of the you know part of the thing is finding your group if you just want to play D and D as a strategy board game and then just talk completely out of character the whole time mm-hmm. you can that's an option that's open to you mm-hmm. but also you should seek out a group that is like what you want um, I know that doesn't help a lot in this situation but it's something to keep in mind if you always if you show up and everybody is too intense into the role-playing for you, you should try to find a different group. Obviously, you don't want to disrupt them too much. Right. That said... Um, I, I was going to say that, you know, there's there's probably a difference in the fact that we are recording this, this show for a wide variety of, of people. Yes. We could, and you have, heard us get all jokey-jokey and silly-silly. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah. And it works to a point, but on the, at the same time, we know that our focus has to be on focusing on the game because we're trying to provide entertainment and information for you people at home. Myself, sometimes I, be, I seem very distracted or become very distracted 
because while everyone else is gaming, I'm also looking at an audio board, watching times, looking up emails, mm-hmm. and some of those kinds of things as we are getting uh, to certain points in the game. So my personal view is that we are focusing a little bit more on the gameplay because we know that we're creating an environment for you. And also keep in mind, too, that for for the most part, I try to let the episodes run unedited. But there mm-hmm. are times where we will take out 10 minutes of nothing going on mm-hmm. right. uh, or jokiness going on because it's not central to the, to the story. Where, for example, what? Matthew may drop uh, his connection and we may just talk <laughs> and chit-chat for 10 minutes, which, again, is us losing our focus until mm-hmm. we can get him back online. Right. And I edit all that out. And then, so but, that may be another appearance of focus. Matthew? But there's, also, there's something that you have to take into account. And this is going to go all meta-creepy for a second, so what? forgive me. When, you're, when you are a part of a gaming group, it, to some degree, you are in a, a four-, five-, or six-way interrelationship. It's kind of like dating, in a way. You have to find a group that fits your particular role play style. But more importantly, that group has to be able and willing to adjust to you. Now, sure. I think that there is a perception on the show, the way that it airs, that I am the most in jokey. I don't think that that's necessarily true, but I will say this. I am the most overtly in jokey, and I'm the one who has the worst problem keeping it under control. In a recent episode, we got to a point where we were spiraling. And Rodrigo said, okay, we're spiraling, knock it off. And at that point, you know, we, we shut it down. And that, I think, is something that has to be taken into account. Rodrigo knows where that line is for his RP style, for his, you know, game control. And he's not afraid to tell us, you know, shut up. <laughs> the point where we were at the steps and the tenth time he tried to describe the damn steps and somebody went off on a tangent... Rodrigo wasn't afraid to say, okay, seriously, knock it the hell off, or I'm going to start punishing you in character. It's, you know, it's not something that happens often, but that group should be allowed to have that moment. And Rodrigo, as the game master, should have the ability to say to the group, okay, bring it back in, rein it in, knock it off. So, I mean, it's one thing to say you want to control it, but you're never going to completely eliminate it. And I don't think that for the fun of the players and for the fun of the game master that you always should. Right. You can control it without necessarily restricting it completely. Yeah, one of the other things, and this is based off of Steven's comment, uh, Brian, especially yeah. like right before I started playing Critical Hit, since you know, it was Steven and then Steven and Matthew and then Steven, Matthew and Brian, and then I got added in, was like, we are so much more focused around the Critical Hit table than we are in a normal group. Yes. Probably specifically because we are here to record this, to provide this for. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, we're actually literally strapped in. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We 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 can't go beyond three feet from the recording machine, or our heads get ganked with our headsets. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You can't go get chips or leave the room. Right. Or, right. You know. Yeah. But that yeah. being said, one of the things, uh, Alex. Oh my catchphrase! <laughs> <laughs> when he runs his campaign. Uh, Rodrigo, Brian, and I sit in one corner, and some of the rest of the guys sit in the other corner. And while our f- turn isn't in focus, we will be cracking the jokes back and forth with each other in a little quieter of a manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, well, Brian and I don't shut up, and <laughs> Rodrigo is a very funny man. Yes. <laughs> so it, it's you tend to need to actually let your players have that defocus, so is when yeah. it is actually their time to focus, they yeah. can focus on what they're doing. 
Now you don't necessarily, uh, and we play with a very large group, so that yes. is almost almost necessary. Yes. If your group is small and you do want them to pay attention, mostly b- through role playing, um, you can accomplish that. And and a lot of the ways, the way to do that is you engage a single player, and you know, and actually role play with them. And a lot of the time, that'll pull the other people in. Um, mm-hmm. The other option is you face them with a circumstance that they can really only tackle through role playing. You can actually get a lot of focus out of role playing mm-hmm. because yeah. it's a you know people can just have their entire character sheets memorized, but a situation that is developing in front of them requires actual focus. Sure, right. And you know, Rodrigo has done bits and pieces where he'll split the party, and I remember clearly uh, the point where Ket and Orem. Were Smith, haggling and trying. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, Ket, Ket and Orem were trying to get a better uh, a better price on the room. All right. And it was it was really engaging to listen to Ket and Orem in character, trying to gank this kid and trying gank is not the word trying to scam <laughs> this kid into you know giving giving them a better price. And that that wasn't even necessarily related to the ongoing thing, but that was fascinating for me to hear. And yet you and complained there were, about it. I complained about it thing. because A, it was funny, <laughs> yeah. and B, it was a reference to Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh-huh. But it was also, you know, it, there was a moment at one point where uh, the Randus and Torque combo had to go off and fight together. And I remember, you know, Stephen was silent, and Stephen was silent, but at the second somebody said Orem, Stephen's like, yes, here we go. <laughs> Stephen was listening to mm-hmm. Randus and Torque off having their little Randus Torque adventure, so... Mm-hmm. When you're interacting with the players, the other players have a chance to, you know, take a moment and relax. But if you're, you know, if you're really engaging them, you can keep the players in, even if their character isn't on stage. Right. Um, Wendy wrote in a while ago, and she was asking about being a new uh, game master, and I had pointed her to the game master's workshop, and she said she got a lot of great information out of that. But she noticed that at that point where uh, the encounter started in that library. Mm-hmm. I set you guys up at the entrance of that library. Essentially, you busted open the door and you were in that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, she essentially says, I noticed that you told them how far they could go in. Is that a DM choice or is there a rule about it? My party always wants to go further into the room than I think they should be able to, but I can't find a rule about it. That is always a DM's choice as yes. to where the people can get to before yeah. the actual action starts happening. Right. All That's you have to do is say, this is where you guys start. This is where your initiative begins. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can start moving again once you hit your initiative order. Combat has started once you hit this point. Okay. Yeah. Also, about death and re-rolling. If a character dies and the player re-rolls a new one, would it be allowed to be the same level as the dead one so that the player could continue with the group, or is this one of those things that varies from group to group? So if you re-roll the new character, I guess she's saying, does it have to yeah. start at level 1 in order to be in a group of level 7s? It does Depend. vary from group to group, but yeah. you don't. You yeah. really do not want to go more than one level below, maybe a couple maybe levels two. below if you yeah, want I to. S- I, would I would never say do that. Mine has always been, if you're above level 4, you can go at a maximum of three levels either direction. You don't want somebody to be, you know, more than three levels ahead of the party either. But mm-hmm. if you're like running a level ten party, or God help you, an epic level party, it would be absolutely suicidally ridiculous and unfair to that player to ask them to bring in a level one. Yeah. Uh, even at this point, yeah. you can run a lo- like you can have a level one character hanging yes. out with the Torkel Tones right now. 
Yeah. That would just be problematic. Yeah, uh, they would, they, would die. Forget, forget the. They might have the hit point buffer from it, and just from all the buffs running around, they would never hit. Yes. Yeah. 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 And especially with fourth edition now, Wizards has set it up so you can create a character that's going to be, if not on par with the other characters at that level, will be just a reasonable one enough. step away. Yeah, it's yes. going to be one step away. Mm-hmm. You'll want to make sure that character is going to get like the highest level magic item next mm-hmm. just to catch up a little better. But right. it's best to just go with the same level. Uh, yeah. We've got the rules I'm- from creating characters at level other than one mm-hmm. that are actually established in the system. Yeah. Anything else and you start having those disparities between characters, mm-hmm. disparities yeah. between players, which is even worse. Yes. And yeah, potential. unless your player is willing to and you as the game master are ready yeah. to deal with the problems of a character being vastly disproportionate in terms of their their level, you probably want to get them as close to the group level as possible. But there are times I there was one game where we were running level 5s and a kid came in as level 1 and ended up being the party badass. Yeah. You know, it it does happen. It depends on what you're doing and how you're doing. That, I that's, a, that's a fluke, it. though. You can't really count on that. Yeah. Oh God, no. But you know, it, it was also my game, which meant that there was you know a lot of emphasis on the role playing aspect. Right, right. And occasionally, you know, sometimes we might just go, you know what, that role sucked. Forget that role. I had promised you guys a while ago that we would talk about the new character builder. Now, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, for us, it's been out about a month. But by the time you hear this, the Episode, it could be about a month or two after the new online-only release of Character Builder. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go around the room and get some impressions and some thoughts and some perspectives, things that we've discovered about the Character Builder out to everyone. So, um, Rob, why don't you start and we'll just kind of go around the table. Okay. I haven't played around with it at all yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rodrigo said you two were on there at the same time on the right. same account, which right. was my biggest concern was the fact that since you know, you've you got the five downloads per month with the right. previous version, are they only going to make it so you can log in on one computer? Or are well, they going to split it so you can actually play it with a group of people? Here's what we discovered, okay? Um, you can have a single account, but that means that everybody has to have your password or yeah. you have to go around everybody's computer and put in the password yourself. Right. So if you're free, if you want to give away your insider password, that's up to you. I'm sure Wizards discourages that yeah. uh, quite a bit. However, <laughs> in the in the version that we have been using and testing, I created three dummy characters, and I went in and I could open up the character sheet for that character. Uh, Rodrigo could o- go in and open up another uh, character sheet for that character. However... And we, I believe we could have the same character open at the same... That, no, we that crashed have the same, it. Yeah, that did crash it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I noticed is if um, I exited out of my character sheet, uh, then it would say, hey, there's a character open. Do you want to save that character? So if Rodrigo right. was trying to make changes and I said no or yes, it could void those changes that he was making to the character. So, you know, if you're going in changing character stuff, that's going to be a problem. If you're just going in so that you have it in front of your face and maybe you're keeping notes somewhere else, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Brian? Yes, I've only messed with it a little bit, haven't actually used it in play. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it has some issues, but at the same time, this is just launched. I'm kind of hoping that it's going to be mm-hmm. more touched up and better implemented and all. I think it does have some potential to be a pretty handy uh tool which well, it's, is now less platform specific yeah mm-hmm. i there are some there are some interesting things in there that i 
kind of see as a bonus, but also can see as very frustrating. For example, yes. one of the nice things is, especially for essentials people, you can just go in and say, "Hey, I want to just create an essentials character, yes. and I want to be, you know, a striker, and I want to, and it'll just kind of builds out mm -hmm. a tree for you, and you, mm -hmm. it's really a, and I don't want to say a, um, a dummy version of creating a character, but it's a very light and easy version, yeah. a very simple wizard asking you questions. You tell it the answers, you select from the answers, and it builds that character for you. And mm -hmm. I kind of like that aspect for people who are getting into it, which is what Essentials is all about. Yes. Uh, the other thing that's, that's kind of nice is when you're building your character, you can say this character is in this campaign. So it's in Eberron, it's in uh, Dark Sun, it's in, what's the other one? Uh, uh, Forgotten, Forgotten, Realms. Forgotten Realms. You actually could do that before. Oh, could it you? Just, it just wasn't as prominent. Okay. You had to like basically go into the settings mm -hmm. for the builder and say this character this are all, these are the books that are allowed for it yes. yeah and so i kind of i do like that that it's much more than yeah, in your face is, than, yeah. than what i've known before but it's also kind of limiting because if you were doing a do whatever you want kind of um character combining all the stuff like what we do here well, it would be and in very the hard to pull from Eberron and Dark Sun. If they well, were, if you, you can except both. really for Dark Sun because if you go to the D&D home campaign or something like that mm -hmm. yeah. it actually combines aspects from everyone except it doesn't include themes, themes. from dark sun oh okay all right but everything else is pretty much available from what i've seen okay rodrigo thoughts comments ideas um, i know a lot of people are upset about this you were not too pleased i i wasn't crazy about it um there's a few specific things that kind of annoy me about it first off you can't change the character sheets you mm -hmm. can't actually yeah. click on them and write in so Whereas the the character builder that you download, you can actually type in your hit points um, or how many hit points you have left, healing surges, all that stuff. That is not available right now. Um, the other thing is is that we personally have you know sometimes don't treat our computers well, so you could <laughs> crash it. But the the site mm -hmm. is crashy. It's yeah, a little the buggy. Is buggy. Yeah. And there are some bad, at least whenever I was uh, testing it. Yeah. I got into a weird loop where uh, it crashed on me. And as I went in, it said, you've got a character open. Do you want to save it? And I would say yes. And then it would crash. pop me back out to, or crash, or pop me back out to mm -hmm. the main interface again where I click on the character I want to open. It says, this character <laughs> is open. Do you want to save it? Yes or no? Bop, bop, bop. And I got stuck into that for about 10 minutes before I said, this is stupid. Right. Um, the other thing is that I think the only two character sheet models that it has available are Essentials character sheets and Builder character sheets, but not the original sheets like the ones that we're using right now. Mm -hmm. yes. So, um, And both of those don't include every little box when calculating AC and reflex and stuff, which is weird to me because Essentials is like, we're going to make everything easy for you. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that having all those boxes telling you where every little bonus comes from is a little bit easier than just here's a number. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, granted, that can be confusing. Oh, which box am I looking at? But when somebody says the one farthest to the left mm -hmm. every time, you're usually good. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that's about it. I find that, you know, it's, it's okay. It works okay. Obviously, it has the most recent update to it, which right, the downloaded right. one isn't getting, which is a legitimate thing. Yes. Um, but um, to me, it seems that although it's easy, although I can access it, you know, I can access any of the characters that I have up there, not from my computer. Right. If I go play at someone else's house and I'm like, oh, I have a character for this. I didn't bring my computer. They can presumably print me out one. Mm -hmm. um, that's all helpful. But it seems to me that for everything that's more that is useful about the online tool compared to the downloaded tool, there is also something that is 
annoying. Yes. It's right. it's it's you basically I'm as far as I'm concerned, I'm back in the middle with it because everything that is more useful about it also either directly creates a problem mm-hmm. or some other feature is not present. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I never really played with the character builder that much until mm-hmm. more recently. And so switching over to the new one, and I haven't really opened it up again since what we were doing a couple of weeks ago for those days. Um, you can print. That was the first thing that I yeah. was noticed that in the original press release that Wizards sent out, they kind of indicated they didn't know if the print feature was going to be implemented or not. Mm-hmm. The other one that's somewhat of a problem that I know for a lot of people who have iPads or iPods or mobile devices or something. There's a lot of applications out there right now that can read that character builder data, and I know that there's a lot of people who want to download that uh, character, pop it into that application, and run it from like their iPad. I know a lot of people yep. want to have their yep. character sheet available through their iPad, and I I can't remember. <laughs> I know some people have contacted me and said, "Here's here's the deal," uh, but that's coming. And you know, if the fact that they allow you to print it out and all that other stuff. I mean. Yeah. Yes. Well, one of the players in my campaign actually uses his iPhone for his character shoot. Oh, okay, he, cool. Uh, I don't remember what the mod was, but he had some online service that would take the information from his character version of the character builder. He could upload it to there, and he could pull it from anywhere with his iPhone. Which leads to me to my one other complaint with the uh, online version of the character builder is the fact that it is online only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I know it's rare around here, Right. To not be able to have internet access somewhere. But our internet access isn't, well, you know, we do have it. It's not always the best. We get all of us in the same room together and all of us on the character builder at once, and that's going to slow our internet down and make right. it harder to get to. Right. Mm-hmm. Or I go home or I go to my grandparents' house. I don't have internet access at yeah. all. Yeah. I cannot play with the yeah, character builder. Yeah, you can't builder. just build characters. Nope. And it's that's something that I do in my spare time on a fairly regular basis. Grandma, get some internet. <laughs> God. I've been God. telling that to my parents. Yeah. Prezzer says, do you guys have any tips on how to keep each new fight interesting and fresh? I'm thinking that good use of interesting terrain might help, but how do you encourage players to do more than just pick a power and roll a dice each turn instead of trying more outlandish action movie style heroics? Go, Rob, go. (laughs) Which one? Wait, what? Just do it. Um, (laughs) 3D terrain is bad. Yes. (laughs) 3D hurts the brain. Well, but just what about rough uh, terrain? Rough terrain, uh, I actually... Like when I first started the campaign I'm currently running, I actually did a lot of experimentation with the terrain. You can really make uh, the battle more dynamic and whatnot. Other than that, you can also... Like I've done a couple of times behind the scenes, I encourage the stunts. If someone actually really describes something, this is something I picked up from Exalted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get, they get like a plus one or plus two bonus for actually like describing and going in depth into what you give going that on. to them I've as a DM? done that yeah, a couple okay. of times. That's yeah. cool. And, you know, once you've done that a few times, people just start, oh, this is really cool. You don't really need the bonus anymore because you're having fun with just describing what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've done terrain where there is spots where you actually healed up at the beginning of your turn. Uh, this was while I was playing Fire Emblem a lot, so they had a lot of different random terrain things. It's, uh, terrain is a really good idea to mess around with things. Try to figure out how everything is going to work beforehand. Yeah. That's why I stopped doing vast differences in terrain is because is yeah. every If you fall from here to here it's 5 feet, if you fall from here right, to here right, it's right. 10 feet. Right. You know, what does it take to climb up this? What does it take to climb up that? When you have multiple tiers, especially because 4th edition, like 3rd edition, presumably like 2nd edition, yes. is not any good at uh, visualizing three-dimensional combat. Mm-hmm. Um, once you start adding different tiers, 
um, you can create a lot of problems. It's like, well, do I have line of sight to this guy if he's two tiers below me? You know, how does that work? And, you know, a lot of the time, the best way to deal with that is to actually just straight up avoid it yeah. or to just say, well, pretend that it's all flat except in these situations. The other thing that you should always keep in mind, though, is that, sure, it's great to fight next to an open chasm, and it might be awesome when your characters knock an enemy down there, but if you a player have... gets knocked down there, do they just die? Mm-hmm. You know, this is something that you need to be aware of. Um, make sure that you know what all of your little terrain things might do. Um, and sometimes the only way to do it is to actually just play up a mock battle if you have the time. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a couple of... Again, this goes back to using computers and other electronic devices in gameplay. Mm-hmm. Like uh, tasers? Yes, <laughs> tasers, which are really, really great. Um, one person is asking, have we ever heard or used or tried the D20 pro.com system it's a basically it looks like i'm looking at it here uh it looks like a um basically you're building your battle map on on the computer and then you can place your characters kind of like what we do on a on a regular map here and then move them around there's also that new um coming out from wizards of the coast that uh adventure builder mm-hmm. which does the same thing that apparently everybody can log on and look at the map at the same time and some people are wondering, have we ever used anything like that? Have any of you guys used anything like that? Um, it might make uh, playing at a distance, somebody from Matthew, a little bit mm-hmm. easier to see what's going on. Or, you know, if we ever got mm-hmm. Kevin Smith on here and he wanted to play. <laughs> I Which doubt we'll awesome. ever get Kevin Smith on here. Kevin Smith. Oh, we will. Or Jason Mewes. Or Jason Mewes. <laughs> yeah, Jason Mewes. He's welcome, too. Any celebrity, really. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I mean, we do have one campaign that we are kind of off and on in currently with my roommate who has used basically just a basic drafting software to make maps and to move tokens around on it. And then just put it up on his big screen TV so we can all see it. Yes. Yeah. We did that for like the first couple of times, but I, it wasn't actually, it was actually a drafting software that someone co opted into being able to build D&D or adventure game style maps mm-hmm. the I, software itself that he was using didn't quite work the way he wanted it to but it's yeah. not unreasonable largely the reason why we don't is because i do have a map markers and miniatures um and a webcam so you know it's it's a little bit easier for me i have i really have not had the time to go in look through and see which of these programs yes. are better i don't want to try a program of the week on critical hit because if it just doesn't work mm-hmm. then yeah, we lose week. yeah we lose recording time right uh, somebody wrote in, and I, we kind of touched on this a little bit ago about um, uh, in one of the previous episodes or one of the upcoming episodes, depending on the, when this one airs. But uh, I was with my son tonight, and he watched Ben 10 on the Cartoon Network. There was a scene where they were attacked by spider monkeys. If I were you guys, I would scream copyright infringement. How can you stand for this? I know if Smith were around, he certainly worked. <laughs> <laughs> Joke acknowledged. <laughs> <laughs> Any uh, feedback on that? Because you and I had I'm, talked I'm, about I'm this pretty, I'm pretty sure a spider monkey is an actual yeah, animal. There's yeah. actual yeah. spider monkeys. And so. We were attacked by monkey lizards. Yeah. Monkey, monkey lizards. Lizard, lizard monkeys. Right, right. Which were kind of copied from Star Wars anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
No, the Kruthiks, I well, I mean, sure, they were copied from... I don't care. The Kruthiks are straight out of the book. Oh, no, I know. What no, I no, describe no, no. them to be are actually just that. And we actually... Name, we are the ones that named name them, them the monkey lizards. lizards. Yeah, monkey oh. lizards. Yeah. It's that oh, name, name that's name. from We didn't know Wars. what the name okay. is, and that's one of the things that people have always asked about in this is, Rodrigo posts the... You know, what creature, char- what creature are you using for this? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, if he got around to it, that's fine. If he doesn't want to do it, that's fine. Because personally, if we're attacked by a bunch of goblins, but he's reskinned them as XYZ creatures. Candleheads. Candleheads, <laughs> that's fine I'm by me. I'm pretty sure they're not goblins. But well, no. I know, I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> yes. No, they're, um, they're clearly wiggits. I'm pretty sure we've actually faced them in a previous campaign Rodrigo ran. Yeah, I know. No. No? no? Not no. those stupid shifty things? I pretty, no, I no, we did. no. These guys would be making like three more attacks on you if that's what they were. The foul, uh, spawn, the foul spawn? No, that's not what these guys are. Okay. All right. Those things sucked. Yeah, they did. <laughs> this, one, this one had me scratching my head, and I did have to ask Rodrigo about this before, but we'll share it with the listeners. Uh, Brian wrote in and said, Ket and Thony were adventuring companions. You've gone... Uh, uh, he says, you've gone into reruns here, meaning that he's re-listening to the shows. And that's a guess that he has had, that Ket and Thony were adventuring companions. And I asked Rodrigo, <laughs> figure that out for me. How did he come to that conclusion, or how might he have come to that conclusion? I think Thony mentioned his previous adventuring party, and he mentioned that one of the guys um, was from the Astral, or said that he was from the Astral Sea, and that's probably what he's thinking, because we haven't... Uh, Ket mentioned that he... What, that he's actually from the central continent, like you guys, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, I don't think the central continent. Well, I thought it was one of the other continents, but man, probably not. Remember. Not not if you are vaguely Europeanish looking. Oh, okay. <laughs> you might be from another country that is not Diamond Throne and Sundry territories. Oh uh, yeah, way further. Patent pending. Okay, right. it's just. Um, so you don't but, know uh, Thony there, Kit. No, I don't believe okay. so. It's not because the other thing is, when he talks about his previous adventuring party, that was the, during the Underdark Wars. Right, which was during generations which, before. Yeah, which was yeah. A, a whole generation before. And so, Ked's not 30. Right. <laughs> yep. If Ked, yeah. Well, yeah. if Ked was a dwarf, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, you know, his <laughs> foul you know, d- deals with things, you know, you never what know. What foul deals? <laughs> There's nothing foul about any of these uh, I'm going to say Jod, J-O-D. Maybe mm-hmm. it's Jod. Uh, hey, Critical Hit crew, I've been playing D&D for a few n- years now and love your pods of casting. I have a question. I'm currently playing with a new DM who is great, don't get me wrong, but the world he's created is such a sandbox that we can do anything. Mm-hmm. The problem awesome. I have is finding... Uh, the problem I have been finding is the fact that there is no impending doom and whatnot, and it kind of gets boring. seems like he's leaving a lot of the storytelling that he's doing. How do you deal with this, or how can I explain to him that what he's doing is great, but as a party member, we need a plot to follow? It would mm. kind of be like if Rodrigo mm-hmm. were to say, okay, you all show up on the moon, and there are no towers, and the world is fine. What do you do? Right. Well, it, well go ahead. Primarily, first and foremost, as with any discussion about the nature of the plot with your game master, be straightforward, but be respectful. Let him know, you know, I'm not saying this isn't good. I'm not saying, you know, you don't want to go in and say, you're doing this. You want to let him know, I feel like this is a problem for my character. Or, I feel like if we had a little more of this, then the adventures might, you know, be more more engaging. You know, you want to make sure that you're letting him know you enjoy what you're doing. This is how you feel you would enjoy it more. Um, well, you want to think about is that um, 
and and this is assuming that your game master can roll with a sandbox world that he's creating. When you have a sandbox game, you need sandbox characters. The Torkoal Tones are not sandbox characters. They are basically a moral compass with two feet and a sword. Mm-hmm. And they just, as the plot happens, they react to it, and then they make their own decisions based on that. Right. A sandbox character has to be a character that comes in with a very strong motivation. I want to take over this town. I want to eradicate all crime. I want to do X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And then the sandbox is you are basically, you are generating the plot. So if you have a character who is a completely reactive good guy, like you can't play Superman in a sandbox campaign, but you could potentially play Batman. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um. The other thing is the sandbox campaigns aren't always the worst. I, no. Yeah. Uh, now there's nothing wrong with them. We the the town bicycle idea that we've uh, done in the past and I think talked about a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, has to be a sandbox game because you can't you can have like when you DM it, you can have the overarching plot that you want to just kind of hint throughout, mm-hmm. but you can't make it so as what you did has to automatically lead into what the next person does or right. has to automatically lead from whatever the previous person does. You have to make it so it's a done-in-one campaign. You sit down, you play it, whatever your goal was, you finish it that session so whoever mm-hmm. is next can do whatever they want in the sandbox. Mm-hmm. You know what? I think because uh, I've, I've run sandbox games before and, they were, and I think they were fairly successful. I think I might try to write something for the site about them. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. That'd be great. Um, here's another one, and I guess this is a Frozebot or Frostbot. My DMing style is highly cinematic. I got my start in tabletop gaming, playing narrative cinematic games, and while I moved to 4E for the ease of finding great players, I work to keep a cinematic feel to the game. Mm-hmm. However, I have one player at the table who just doesn't seem to get it. We're gaming friends who go back a long way, but he, and I want to help him out, but he's a dyed-in-the-wool power gamer. The player has created a character because of his driving desire to have the Paragon power he may eventually get, but the character is otherwise completely flat. Everyone else at the table is playing lively characters who work with one another and and me to make great stories, but Power Gamer is uninterested and his focused metagaming and poor boundaries between player and character knowledge often have negative consequences on RP scenarios. There's a a few issues there. One is that that gray boundary, that, that lack of a line between in character and out of character, mm-hmm. information decisions and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, rules versus the actual uh, role-playing. There might not be much you can do about that. As far as encouraging him to role-play, what you can do, and you have to be very careful about implementing this, is something like what Rob mentioned, to actually give bonuses for role-playing. What I would suggest, with Dungeons & Dragons, a plus one can make all the difference, so I'm often leery of even giving characters a, a coolness plus one mm-hmm. um, during their turn. Um, but you always have skill challenges. I encourage you to run skill challenges the way that I do mm-hmm. because that always gets people um, in the mindset of what yeah. is exactly is happening in the adventure. And, and we're calling that from now on the Rodrigo method. Yeah, the Rodrigo okay. method. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> works uh, for me. I like the Lord Kensington method, but oh, okay. that, 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 that I think the Rodrigo Lord Kensington rules. But the Lord Kensington uh, rules are our default for everything. Yeah, I was going to say that there apparently is a Paragon path that he's wanting, that he's really wanting to shoot for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what you know. Depending on the flavor of that, I would dangle that as a hook in front and of that character. Definitely, you can involve a character. You can always involve a character in the story more. You can always 
approach and approaching that character individually in a purely role-playing thing mm-hmm. is probably the way to do but it. All he wants to do is just fighty-fighty and less of the talky-talky. Well, if he if somebody approaches and is like, hey, I have... Trust me. If somebody approaches him and says, hey, you know that thing you want? I mm-hmm. can get you that thing you want. Mm-hmm. He's going to pay attention. Okay. The, the, I think the bigger part of his question is a little bit later, and he says, you know, this guy is a friend of mine, mm-hmm. yes. and we do like each other, but how do I tell him that he's driving me nuts? Well, how do you tell your friends that you, uh, they're driving you nuts? This is not necessarily the best <laughs> podcast for that. Brian, yes. you're a douche. Uh, yeah. Actually. <laughs> oh, you know, I think if you've listened to this show long enough, I know there have been point parts, and I'm pretty sure they've been recorded, where uh, Matthew and I have had discussions at length about why Orem doesn't use his sword before he was really using his sword for battle. Right. Mm-hmm. And Matthew and I have been friends for 20 years. We're not, you know, best friends. We're not palling around <laughs> with each other every weekend. Um, We're but, 400 miles apart. Yeah. So. That's a long uh, high five. Yes, it is. <laughs> Again, it, uh-huh. when you look, when you ask this question, this is a question about more than Dungeons and Dragons. This is... Well, this is really a question about how you want to address your friend. Are you wanting to address him? There's one of three ways you can look at it. You can go into it as his game master, his quote-unquote manager, and you can take that that leadership role and say, here's what I've got. I need you to step up. Or I like Rodrigo's suggestion of trying to draw him out and bring him into the role-playing by making it germane to what's important to him. Mm -hmm. But really, what you could do is have a discussion just with your friend, not in the game, not in front of the players, not about the game, not during the game, and just say, look, here's what we're looking at. You and I have known each other for X number of years, and you know, it, recently I've had this discussion with people whom I've known forever and said, I, I understand this is what we're dealing with, this is where we've been, and here's why I have a problem with X. Just let them know. Say, yeah, I understand that the that the main thing is the Paragon path here, but I feel like you're creating a void against the other players, and just address it directly. A lot of these questions seem to be about interacting with people and, you know, trying to communicate with people, and I think that Dungeons & Dragons as a game with that role-playing aspect, with that acting bit, with whatever, you know, you have to be able to talk to people in a way that's not confrontational. Yeah. So you don't want him to think that, you know, him not role-playing isn't, obviously isn't ruining the game. It's mm-hmm. bugging you, but it's not ruining the game. So what happens, worst-case scenario, if he never role-plays the character the way the others do? What's the worst that could happen? And at that point, how do you address it? And are you willing to take, you know, the step of, you know, would it come to a situation where you'd want to remove him from the game? Obviously, he's a friend. So there's a lot of questions you have to ask yourself, but the main thing you want to do is just come up front and say, look, here's what we got. Here's where we stand. What do you think? One other thing, again, that uh, people might want to check out is go over to Majorspoilers.com, and there's an article that Rodrigo wrote a while ago uh, under his Gamer's Corner articles called Annoying Gamer Habits and what to do about them. And some yes. of these questions... It's subtitled us, Matthew, Rob, <laughs> and Brian, and how to deal with them. Uh, you can go and check that out. Um, More true than you know. <laughs> <laughs> anything else, gentlemen, before we get out of here this week? Um, uh, on that one, uh, the DMG also has... And I think the DMG, the DMG, DMG might yep, also... Both of those. Both of them have a lot on just different types of players, and Power Gamer is specifically one of the archetypes that they address. R- address. If you haven't sat down and read that, 
read that if you have. Sit down and read it again. It it might help. Does help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, it sounds like the rest of the crew is pretty willing yeah, to just roll it. with it. Yeah, yeah. So sick one player on him. Like there or, you go. like basically you can actually is if they're willing to roll with it, you can make that player the center of the plot. In mm-hmm. which case it it would you know, you don't want to force him to role play, but you want to entice him to role play. Right. Mm-hmm. And if if basically if he's the one that's on the bicycle driving everything, he's going to have to put the work into it. Otherwise, yes. he's never going to get his Paragon path. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, If all the players are, are asking him for the answers exactly. or asking him to help them find the answers, he's going to have to respond to the play. I mean, he's going to, you know, I, I think a lot of the time maybe you're asking him, hey, what color is your character's hat? And he's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, the answer to that is like, we'll pick one. You know, if another player is trying to describe his character, like, then, you know, have the other player, like, have the NPC that he's describing his player to be like, well, does he have a beard? And then have the player turn around and be like, hey, Jake, does your character have a beard? Yes, he does have a beard. I mean, just <laughs> just that character description gets you into that mindset. You know, I never consider that my character has a beard. I'm going to start role-playing him like he has a beard now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, um, and I again, depending, I on, depending on when this episode <laughs> plays out, it's either the... Um, arc that you just listened to or the arc that's coming up or mm-hmm. maybe in the middle of you will hear the characters <laughs> so it could develop. be anywhere you can yes. hear the characters develop based on conversations that we're having inside stuff that then says oh you know that's a great way to think about that character and mm-hmm. let's move on from there all right everybody thank you for your comments thank you for your feedback we always enjoy getting them all you have to do again is send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com or call us on the hotline 785-727-1939 the Major Spoilers Podcast Hotline. Thanks for everybody who not only listens to this, but are also interested in pop culture and comic books and listen to the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thanks for everybody who's given us five-star ratings over at iTunes and who took the time over this uh, this past month in December and uh, end of November to buy the Critical Hit t-shirt. Hopefully you've uh, gotten yours in the mail by now and you're wearing it proudly and uh, telling everyone else about Critical Hit. So until next time, for uh, Randus, for Ket, for Torque, and Orem, and of course our GM Rodrigo. Here's hoping all of your dice rolls are critical hits. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.